Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I just wanted to take a moment and just thank everybody who has written a review for us on iTunes. I really appreciate it. It helps getting that show up in the rankings so that we can spread this message to more vitalistic chiropractors. I just want to take a, a, a moment here just to read one of these. And I'll do this from time to time. So if you put in a, in a review on iTunes, it'll maybe read yours out. So I want to thank Cairo Nui from Australia who uh, wrote, thanks, Dr. Don. You've interviewed some great people. I love how you give them time to speak. Thanks for the enlightenment. So I want to thank you very much for writing out a review. Please go to iTunes, give us a review. It helps with the show. And then also don't forget to go to www.drdonmcdonald.com where you can check out all the previous episodes. I have about 60 now. So uh, I know on iTunes, you can only go back about, I think, 20 shows. But if you go back on that website, you can see all of those. So let's get back to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. That's Vitalistic Chiropractors. Um, I'm Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and I am super pumped because this month I've been uh, been interviewing all my mentors, and, and this gives me a great opportunity to be able to share with all the listeners all of the great minds that I got to learn from when I was a, a whippersnapper and still learn from today. So I w I'm extremely pleased to welcome Dr. Gilles Lamarche to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Dr. Don, it is a great pleasure to be with you. You know, our history goes back uh, probably, oh my gosh, 15 years, I guess, at least, maybe longer. I'm not sure. It's been a while, but it's all been good. So I appreciate the invitation to be with you and to share with your listeners today and, and uh, really to help our chiropractic college continue to grow and impact humanity. So thank you for inviting me to be with you today. That's awesome. I was just wondering, because we, we kind of like to start where you're at now, and then I'd like to dive back to your history of what's been going on in the past. So can you tell all our listeners a little bit about your position right now, and then we're going to go back to all your, your uh, how you got to that in the first place. So what are you doing right at the moment? Sure. Well, it was interesting, because this morning I spoke to the first quarter of students at Lake University where I am, and... I was introduced as a chiropractor who graduated almost 40 years ago. So yeah, I graduated from CMC in 1979, but I've been at Life University since the fall of 2013. My official title is Vice President of Professional Relations. And in that portfolio, if you like, I, I manage our Life Vision Seminar brand. I manage assemblies. Uh, I manage our postgraduate department, which includes our fall celebration, uh, which for the last years has hosted uh, over 1,500 chiropractors. We hosted 1,670 chiropractors were registered for our fall celebration last year. Uh, this year, it's September 26th to the 30th, and we're up to, I think, 1,450 people registered. And of course, we're, we're not in the month of August yet. So um, I also manage student assemblies. We host assemblies on weeks two, four, and seven of every quarter, invite speakers to come in and speak to our chiropractic students, and our, our chiropractic student volume is currently sort of under 1,800. We're between 1,700 and 1,800 chiropractic students at Lake University, and another 12 to 1,300 students that make up our undergrad programs and our master's programs, uh, some of them on campus, some of them online. 
So uh, it's, a, it's a busy place. It's a beautiful campus here in Marietta, Georgia. And for me, I, I jokingly say it's a great retirement job. And my wife looks at me and was like, retirement? You, you're there 10, 12 hours every day of the week. So it's not retirement. It's retirement from practice. But it's a beautiful way, it's a beautiful way to be involved in chiropractic and, and not in practice and still you know, having an impact. That's awesome. So I, I like to dive back because we, we can see all the stuff you've done and, and you know, people out there, they, they've obviously heard of Dr. Jill because you, you've, been, you've been around the block, you've been involved with so many different organizations. Um, but let's just dive right back to how did you get into this crazy profession in the first place? I had a chiropractic experience as many of us have had at the age of 12. I was, um, I was pretty smart when I was young. I, I skipped two grades in elementary school and so there I was in uh, grade nine, if you're Canadian, or ninth grade, if you're American. There I was in uh, ninth grade in an all-boys Catholic school. And I was little, hadn't reached puberty yet. I was small and smart and mouthy. And I got picked on a lot. And one of the new teachers, uh, probably wanting to get close to all the students, thinking, well, I might as well pick on the same guy that everybody else picks on. That way I'll be friends with the majority. He decided to pull the chair from underneath me as a joke. And the floors of that school were terrazzo, like, you know, hard concrete floors. So obviously landed on my butt, injured my low back, uh, you know, stumbled around, went to the medical profession over a six-month period. Nothing got better. One day somebody said to my mom, you, you know, you should take him to a chiropractor. And my mom said, well, you know, what's a chiropractor? Nobody in my family had ever been to a chiropractor. Anyway, I ended up in the office of a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ron Ingard, who was a new chiropractor in Timmins, where I'm from. And after a complete uh, consultation, examination, uh, x-rays, et cetera, the next day I went back in for my report of findings, and he explained to me this big word called subluxation. And the fact that I probably had a recent subluxation, which was causing my, the pain in my back, and he explained what that was all about. But he explained that he had found other subluxation in other parts of my spine, and I asked my mother if I'd ever been dropped off a change table or fallen off a bed or something like that. And I remember her starting to tear up. Uh, I was a forceps delivery baby. And, you know, even when I did have hair, I never had any right here. They just side of my head off when they uh, took me out of my mom. But thank God for that because I'm still here today. <laughs> and my mother, I remember tearing up because I'd never been a sick child, but I was, I was an unwell child. I always had pain in my tummy. I was constipated. I had indigestion. And here's this doctor showing me uh, an autonomic nervous system chart and relating organs function based on nerves coming out of your spine and I was like I didn't believe any of that stuff all I wanted was for him to get rid of my back pain but lo and behold we you know we agreed to get under care uh, my mom and, and myself of course I mean I got under care but my mother agreed to it and within a very short period of time not only was my back pain gone but so was my indigestion so was my constipation and I finally wanted to dig deeper into understanding this innate intelligence that the body has to heal itself how the nervous system works and how interference to the nervous system can occur through various modes, but certainly, you know, through the spine by a subluxation. So um, I read up on it more and, and I stayed connecting with this doc. And I remember shortly after I said, Hey, when I'm big, I'm going to be a chiropractor. So off I went to finish high school, finish, you know, university, go on to CMCC, graduate as a chiropractor and through the process discovered a variety of phenomenal mentors that actually provided me guidance and impetus and, inspiration to really move through and become, you know, the chiropractor that I became in the long run. That's great. That's how, how, how did you decide to go to uh, your school, to CMCC? Well, you know, I'm from Timmins, Ontario, 
um, way up north. I didn't know anybody that had gone to university except my next door neighbor, which was two doors over. So I spoke to him. He became a dentist, but he went to St. Mike's at the University of Toronto. So I picked my university based on knowing him. Nobody in my family had ever been to university. And I went to CMCC because it's the only school that I thought existed. Right? So you're talking 1975, so 43 years ago, or well, I looked into CMCC in 1972. So I looked into CMCC 46 years ago when I was in my first semester of undergrad at the University of Toronto, and I never looked any further. It's like my world was very small. Um, I didn't really look outside into a different country. So I had no idea that any other schools in chiropractic existed, but I knew that Canada had CMCC, and that's where I applied, and that's where I got accepted. That's excellent. And how, how was school for you? How, how was school in those days? You know, school, I was, I, was very, I was a very dedicated student, but I don't come from money. And I was also very dedicated to not wanting to have debt when I graduated. So I basically worked almost full time going through CMCC. I was the superintendent of my building, so I didn't have to pay any rent. Uh, during the summertime, well, from spring to, to fall, I worked for a swimming pool company. I ended up being, you know, contracting and building swimming pools for the last three years. I was at CMCC and I graduated from CMCC debt-free. So I was debt-free from all undergrad and all chiropractic. I know today it sounds like impossible because I know that the students graduate, no matter where they're graduating from today, CMCC or any school in the United States, they're graduating, you know, 175 to $225,000 in debt. Um, but I felt very, very fortunate that I, that I did work. And so I didn't focus on being, you know, an A-plus student. I focused on, on passing and understanding. But I did focus on becoming an exceptional chiropractor. So I spent a lot of my extra time, whatever that was, um, learning to be very, very skillful, learning to adjust. I was palpating 15 minutes a day from the first week when the old Dr. Joe Bunyan taught us a method to become, to develop these corpuscles, to be very, very, you know, great palpators. And he said, you just pull the hair out of your head. In those days, I could do that. I pulled the <laughs> hair out of your head and he says, open up a book and at first put it under one page and just, you know, push, push uh, put your hand or palpate around the page, touch the page and try to find the hair. And when you can find it easily under one page and go under two pages, under three pages, he says, if you do it 15 minutes every single day, Within a year, you should be able to feel a two-inch hair under 100 pages of a book. We all thought the old man was crazy. And I will tell you that by the end of my academic career at CMCC, I could find a two-inch hair under 250 pages of a book. And so this, this you know, our, our fingers are so, so, so important that you've got to develop your tactile ability and become an expert at, at palpation. And then as soon as we started learning technique, Actually, well, we started palpation in technique class in our first semester, and one of the teachers started telling us that we should be practicing our art by learning to develop a thrust, by learning to contract the pectoral muscles and the triceps. And so I spent 15 minutes a day just doing a tricep thrust to actually develop that skill. So lo and behold, when we got to the point where we were learning to do our first adjustments, I was doing it like I'd been doing it for years because I'd actually developed the neurological reflex. And often we, we look at palpation and adjusting as a, a technical skill. 
And part of it is, mm-hmm. but the other part of it is neurological skill, right? It's, it's not yeah. a musculoskeletal skill alone. So yeah, you got to understand the positioning, your arms, you know, the, the body of your patients, et cetera. But it's also a neurologically developed arc that you develop. And if you don't practice it, and all you do is practice, if you're a student, all you do is practice during technique class, you, will, you won't become skillful, you know, before you graduate. That's for darn sure. If you want to become skillful before you graduate, you must be practicing 10, 15 minutes a day, every day, your palpation, your technique. And by the time you get into student clinic, you'll be pretty darn skillful. Or during your technique classes, your colleagues are going to want you to be working on them because they're going to feel that level of certainty, that level of of command that you have behind these, these hands. And that's how you learn to develop, to deliver rather, a quality adjustment and therefore become a skillful, exceptional chiropractor. That's cool. So we all know one part of it is that skill, right? And that's great for any students out there or, or grads who just graduated just to kind of brush up because no matter what, that is our, that is our product is, is our adjustment when we're out in the real world. It is the product. Yeah. And, and so what about the other aspect of it? Because you were introduced to subluxation when you're younger. And then when you went to CMCC, cause I know in the past CMCC used to be a little bit more subluxation based and then it kind of, it waned from that. How was it at that time when you were there? Well, you know, I can tell you that I graduated um, with great knowledge and I believe I graduated with great skill. We had great professors. We learned our technique. And, and I was a great adjuster when I, I graduated, obviously got better with years of experience, but I was a great adjuster. Um, a piece for me that was, was primordial to my growth as a student while in chiropractic school is that my chiropractor at home said to me, you know, promise me if you follow through with becoming a chiropractor, that when you start chiropractic school, that you, you attend seminars outside the school. And in those days, you know, Jim Parker was the big boy and he suggests you've got to go to Parker seminars. And I said, well, why do I need to do that? He said, that's where you're going to learn to be successful. And I said, aren't they going to teach me that in school? And he said, no, that's not the school's job. The school's job is to teach you everything you need to learn so you can pass your board exams and get a license. Your job is to learn to become successful. And so 1977, Jim Parker was going to New York City. And I read that in, in a, I think it was in a school paper. I read it in a, in a paper. And I talked to a few buddies. I think we got seven of us in a car and we drove from Toronto, New York City and went to my first Parker seminar. And Jim used to be the only speaker on Thursday afternoon. So typically from, I, th- I think three to 6.30, about three and a half hours, Jim would be the only one that'd speak. And he would always invite everyone to go to his suite during the weekend. And so he invited everyone to say, you know, tonight you can you know, come up to my suite. We'll be there from this time to this time. And I said to my buddies, man, we should go up there. And they all said, he invited the entire audience. There's like 3,000 people. We're never going to be able to get in. <laughs> and so my buddies decided to go and party on the town. I, being a little bit of a nerd, uh, decided to go up there. And I thought, you know, even if I just peek my head into that suite, because they said that President Reagan had been in that, had stayed in that suite the weekend before at the, at the New York City Hilton. I thought, man, if I could just peek in there to see what it looks like, it would be awesome. So I peeked in there. Lo and behold, there was about 30 people. And I can't remember who it was that saw me, but realized, when I told them I was a student, they invited me in and said, oh, Dr. Jim loves students. He'd love to meet you. So I got to sit at the knees of Dr. Jim Parker, who is the guru of gurus. And sitting around him were people like Dr. Larry Markson and Charles Ward 
and Kirby Landis and Chuck Gibson and uh, Richard Yenny. I mean, these were the top dogs in the profession. And most of you still probably know some of their names. Mm -hmm. but, and they were all there. So I got to meet all these people. And, and Jim encouraged me to continue and go back. So I went to three seminars before I graduated from, from CMCC. Um, I started my practice in July. I went back to Parker seminars in September, went back in November and, and kept going because Jim Parker took me under his wing and I was very successful right out of the gate. I built a, a great practice. I, I said, you know, I was in the black my first week, which means I made more money my first week than my expenses, which for many people would hope they could do that. And yeah. it was the same, you know, for my first month. And in my first year, my first year, you know, we can talk about money, we can talk about whatever, you know, where success goes. But in my first year, I was seeing hundreds and hundreds of people every week. And I made more money than I ever thought I could ever make in five years I made in my first year of practice and continued to do that. And I will tell you that what I did is I followed the advice of mentors. I didn't try to reinvent the wheel. Um, somebody asked me, I was at a, a birthday party for one of our colleagues the other day, actually just this past weekend in New York. And a bunch of us were in the pool on Sunday or today's Monday on Saturday, a bunch of us were in the pool on Saturday and I had a very lengthy conversation with, with one gentleman in the profession. And he said, Jill, if you were to tell me one thing, one thing that caused you to build the practice that you built and maintain that practice and succeed at that level in chiropractic, what would it be? And I said, without a doubt, relationships, relationships, building relationships. So if I was, and I, I built three practices, I built my first practice in a small town of 5,000 people. Um, I was seeing five, a week within six months and built it to bigger than that. I left that town of 5,000 with 7,000 new patient files, which is obvious. I had people coming from all over to this practice, did it all in relationships. And I believe the basics still work today. I committed to handing out 5,000 business cards my first year in practice. Some people would say that's absolutely crazy. I remember somebody said, 5,000, are you nuts? You're going to, you know, the cards are going to be old before you ever use them. I was like, no. I'm committed to handing them out in a year. And they said, well, that's impossible. I said, well, it's not that impossible. You know, if you divide it by 52, and let's say I take two weeks of vacation, you divide it by 50, that's 100 cards a week. So that, you know, if my math is right, that's about 14 cards a day. So that means I need to meet 14 new people every single day. And if I don't meet 14 on Monday, by the end of the week, I better be meeting 28 or 35 on the weekend. You know, I mean, it's, it's that simple. So I went around this town of 5,000 people, and I went beyond a little bit. And I literally handed out all my business cards in one year. And wow. all I did was so simple. I'd say, you know, my name is Dr. Jill LaMarche. I'm a new chiropractor down the street. I'm actually having a, a, my, my office built out. It's at 10th Street. And we're, our plan is to open on such and such a day. If you ever need me, you know, I'd be happy to help you out. You know, what could I do? What could I do for you? And those were the conversations I had. So I went to every single business in that little town. And I mean, every business. There used to be a thing called the Yellow Pages, right? <laughs> yeah. I went through the Yellow Pages. I went to every single business. I did business with every business where I needed to do business. So I said, well, we eat. Yep. There were three grocery stores in town. I shopped every other week. I went to a different grocery store. So I went to the Red and White the first week. I went to Value Mart the second week. And that's what I did. There was a couple dry cleaning places. I went to each of them, you know. 
at alternate times. I went to every single gas station. I revolved. So I did business in, with every business in my town. People appreciated it. I got to meet tons of people. And when people first started coming to my office, they didn't come because I was a good chiropractor. They didn't know. They right. came because I was a nice person. Mm -hmm. They referred people to me because I was a nice person. I'd say, oh, you, you met, I see that Don referred you. Uh, Don, oh, he's the guy that works at, you know, at Loblaws, or well, it wasn't Loblaws, but at the Value Mart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what did he say about me? He said, I should go see you because you're a really nice guy. That's how it started. Yeah. And so relationships today, even though we understand you know, the importance of social media, I get it, I get all that. But the one-on-one -on -one relationships as a chiropractor, I don't know that there's anything better than that. So I still suggest it to students when they say, you know, what should I do? I said, before your practice even opens, walk around your community, introduce yourself, be dressed for success. You know, I learned all these things from Jim Parker and from other people that spoke at the seminar during the time. But one fellow who I've never met since, I remember very little about him, but I remember his name. His name was John Malloy. He had written a book called Dress for Success. And the one thing I remember from his presentation was this. Be as well-dressed as your best-dressed patient slash client or the one you want to attract. I was like, hmm, that makes sense. I worked in a very blue-collar community. Now, did I want to attract you know, the millionaires that own these lumber mills? You're darn right I wanted to attract them because <laughs> I wanted to attract them and their family. So I started dressing like who? like them. It didn't mean I had to go to Nordstrom's or Neiman Marcus. It just meant that I should be wearing, you know, the dress of the day, which was shirt and tie and a suit. And so when I walked around town and when I went to lunch, I always wore, you know, a suit because I stood out from the crowd. People wanted to know who I was and I got to meet and I got to play with these people. I got to sit at their tables. I got to get invited to, you know, the president of, you know, Fontaine Lumber at the time. I got invited to Levesque Lumber. I got invited to all these places to meet all these people, develop relationships with them, and all of a sudden, guess what's happening? They're sending me their HR people. Now I'm meeting the HR people. When there's injuries at the mill, they're referring directly to me. And so you, I built this network of relationships. And when I sold that practice and moved back to my hometown in Timmins, I did the same thing. I went, I went underground. I went to visit the mines. I got to meet the managers. I got to, to meet the workers. I got to meet the people. And I built relationships. And so I repeated what I had done in Hearst and Lonlac, which was a little town 120 miles away where I had a satellite practice for a couple of years of my first five years. But I repeated that and I did it again in Timmins and it went the same way. Started my practice in October. I was at over 250 the first week, the week before Christmas. So, you know, October in about three months. Yeah. But while my practice, the two months my practice was being built out, I was outside meeting people. I wasn't staying at home in my corner. I was outside meeting people every day. And I had business cards. And I created what I call my preferred provider network. So as a chiropractor, you know, and I, sometimes I forget to tell people about that. But as a chiropractor, if there are businesses in your town that you would refer to, then go build a preferred provider network. And then give a preferred provider uh, network card to all of your practice members. So my practice members had a card that gave them a 10% discount at the local shoe store. That did the same thing at the sports store for great shoes. That did the same thing at the furniture store where they could buy a high quality mattress. And so I developed relationships with people and we, we ended up cross referring. So, you know, I had a relationship with the health food store. Uh, who else did I have? So I had, 
the health food store, furniture store, an office furniture store for good chairs, ergonomically correct chair, a shoe store, and a sports store, you know, for proper, you know, running footwear or, or sports footwear. So I had all these relationships. And so I had these beautiful little cards made the size of a business card. And it said, you know, welcome to the Marsh Family Chiropractic Preferred Provider Network. And we would put the name by then, then it was printed, print the name of the patient slash practice member on the card. And on the backside was the companies we did work with that gave a 10% discount or whatever it was. And again, relationship, all about relationships. So that's how I, that's how I built my practice. That's how I would build one if I was building one again today. That's cool. Now, now that's great for all the new people who are starting up or people want to kind of crank up their, their practice. Um, the second level of practice that we always talk about is, you know, when, when chiropractors get their stride and all of a sudden their practice, their volume goes up and everything's get gets rolling. Um, sometimes we can have, uh, we can kind of stop looking after ourselves or, or start to get burnt out. And I was wondering if I know we were laughing before the podcast because we both went through this, but <laughs> maybe you can tell a little bit about your story about that. And then maybe some advice looking back on it on what you might uh, you know kind of preframe to the young young whippersnappers that are just about to explode their practice so that they don't lose the fact that it's important for us to keep vital as chiropractors beautiful and it's a great question uh, Don because I it happened to me twice so after five years in my little town of Hurston I said I had a satellite practice for about two of those years seeing 800 plus people a week I'll tell you, I got so tired. I recognized I wasn't paying attention to anything but my practice. So I wasn't paying attention to family much as I wanted to, wasn't paying attention to anything else. And I basically chose to semi-retire five years into practice and moved away thinking, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much done. I'm going to figure out something else I can do. And I had all these ideas. Maybe I should become a naturopath, but I loved chiropractic. I mean, I had all these weird ideas way out in left field. And one day I woke up, I was like, what the hell's the matter with you? You were born to be a chiropractor. You were chosen to be a chiropractor. And which is when I decided after traveling for you know, a number of weeks, whatever, I decided to set up my next practice. And, and I did better. So in my Hearst practice, I had a staff of nine people. The overhead was huge. When I started thinking about setting up my second, my practice in Timmins, I thought, I'm going to try to settle in at 200, 250 visits a week. That'll be easy. And I'm just going to keep it a really, really low overhead, which I did. So I built a beautiful office, but kept it low overhead. I started that practice with one assistant. Then I went to two and ended up sort of going to two and a half. And I managed it that, that way as I said, very, very quickly. So I was at over 500 also very, very quickly. Uh, then I found an associate and who actually gave, I gave him an opportunity to be a partner. And we did that for about five years and then he went on his own way. I think I never really developed a great associateship model for me, even though the pay structure in the associateship model that I had was, was very good for the associate. And all I did was recover part of the expenses. So I took on a new associate, they would get 65% of, their, of their, their gross income, which they loved because other people were wanting to give them 30 and 40 and 50 yeah. was like the best of the best. I gave them 65 and kept 35. And I think what happened for me is that uh, my practice, like many practices, was too personal, personality driven. And I didn't learn to take it out of the personality driven practice. Uh, you know, I would take a month off in the summertime with the children, 
and get uh, get a locum to come in, and that would work, you know, well. I mean, I had a few locums that did fantastically well. The majority of the practice would drop maybe 50%, but because I kept my, my overhead low, my practice members were taking care while I was on vacation and I and I did okay but I also think that I let that practice grow beyond what one practitioner should do and it, so I did that for too long and as you know I was forced to retire in 2004 because I was diagnosed with a terminal condition in 2003 primary pulmonary hypertension we probably don't have the time to go into that entire story but I, I did retire and then you know 31 days later I realized you know what an idiot you, you are you, there's got to be something seriously wrong with your spine and nervous system. Um, and when all the noise died down, I realized, yeah, I'd, I'd been, you know, getting checked by a chiropractor every week or two, but it was never by the same chiropractor. And, you know, the medical professionals gave me two years to live unless I had a dumb and lung and heart transplant, which I really didn't want to do. And I made a conscious decision to not do that. And on the 14th of April in 2004, I went home to get, prepare myself to transition. But as I said, 31 days later, I woke up with all these thoughts. And lo and behold, ended up in a chiropractor's office, became a practice member. Because what I recognized is that I had not been a practice member since I had left to go to undergrad. I was a practice member with my chiropractor after I discovered chiropractic. I left, you know, at 17 years old to go to university and was never a practice member in any office after that because it was, I was getting it checked and adjusted when necessary by whatever chiropractor I appeared to be with. So while the noise died down in my, in that, in my head, I, I chose to become a practice member in a practice, the chiropractors is my practice, and I got well. You know, over a period of three months, my pulmonary pressure dropped from 57 to 27. Over a two-year period, not only did my uh, pulmonary pressure resolve to normal, average is 15 millimeters mercury pressure for the average individual, and mine resolved to normal. My cardiomegaly that had been measured at 2.5 was also, you know, my heart was back to normal size within two years because the body, this human body, this nervous system has this beautiful ability to adapt. It adapted to the stresses in my life. It then adapted when the stresses were removed. And so what the chiropractors discovered is that my spine was a total mess from C7 to T4. The rest of my spine looked pretty darn good. And I would tell you that my thought process, and I've discussed it with many colleagues, and I've discussed it, I think, with you at one point, was my belief is that I micro-traumatized my spine because I always adjusted full spine. So today, as much as I love to get adjusted full spine, if I was in a high volume practice, I would definitely learn to master a technique that is not so difficult on the chiropractor's spine, number one. Mm -hmm. You know, I might be talking to uh, Dr. Minardi and, and learning what he teaches. Yeah. Um, uh, number two, and using drop tables, the big guys. So uh, Thompson Technique might be my favorite, or CBP might be, might be my favorite. But I look at techniques that, that have developed that get, are getting great results on the patient and also offer the doctor some respite, you know, full spine all the time. For a guy my size, managing many men your size and bigger, it traumatized me, number one. Number two is I did learn to take more time off over time. You know, I started not seeing patients on Friday afternoons. I'd have Friday afternoon, all day Saturday, all day Monday off. Um, if I was at practice today, I might just be in the office, you know, no more than four days a week. And I also learned to take Tuesdays off. So I did start taking more time for myself, uh, but that was much later in practice, especially mm -hmm. when I started having trouble breathing. Just taking a little bit more time. Um, 
I mean, I'm fortunate that I've always been hooked up to good mentors. So that part is not something I would change. I had great mentorship. I, I, I took time to meditate. I took time to pray. I took time to read. I still do all of that today. The areas that I initially failed myself was not taking the, the proper amount of time to work out, not taking the proper amount of time to just be off, take time off of practice. Uh, my children solved a lot of that for me because you know, they got me convinced when they got older that I needed to be home with them more often and that it wasn't cool to bring work home. And so I stopped from the mouth of babes from a lot of lessons. Totally. <laughs> but that's what I would suggest is that for my fellow, just take the time off that you need so you can stay connected. The practice will survive even when you're not there. Um, keep your overhead low. I mean, I had a beautiful practice, but I kept my overhead low. Uh, my overhead was less than 30%. I speak to chiropractors today that have overheads of 65 and 70%. You feel like you're choking to death. Figure out a way to keep it low. Um, I mean, I started my first practice in one room that I rented while I was getting a build out done. I started in one room and I was seeing over 200 people a week in one room. There you and go. I was sending people out for x-rays. Then I, then I had my own x-ray lab. And I had that in both. So I, I finished my 25 years. I had full x-ray facilities in my practice, which I love. Today, with all the great labs are out there, would I want one? Um, you know, digital x-ray is expensive. You know, if you're willing to do it and you're going to get the return on, on the investment, that's fine. But again, I say start smart, low overhead, get a great quality table, not only to give great service to your patients, but to provide great service to your spine and nervous system. I would have, you know, hydraulic, if I could only have one table, I would have at least one table that is hydraulic. I had multiple hydraulic tables in my last practice, but if you can start with one and start with one, there's some great use tables out there. You don't have to buy everything new. You'll find right. yourself one great use table. You know, my wife's been in practice five years. She's been in her own practice only for a year now. And, you know, she, she had a great table, decided she wanted to have a vertical rise. She found a great high-low recently uh, that she bought that didn't need any refurbishing other than, than oil and uh, new, a little bit of work on the pistons, but I think she paid $3,500 for it. So yeah. li limit with buy. I'd rather start off in one room with one great table, and maybe if we need a second room with a portable table, then have two mediocre tables. You've got to protect your spine and nervous system yourself. You must be, you must be a practice member in a colleague's practice, and you must demand the same high level of care that you deliver to your practice members, period. <laughs> that is learned from years of experience that almost killed me. I'm not proud to tell you that I failed that one lesson that I'm telling you. I failed it drastically, but I discovered it and made the correction. Dr. Michael Longyear is my chiropractor here in Atlanta. He is the director of the NeuroLife Institute here. And fortunately for me now, he's my next door neighbor, which makes it that much easier. But I have a prog I have a two-week appointment in my calendar that repeats automatically in my outlook. And it has been a true, true, true blessing to be under that level of high-quality regular care since I reinstated myself into regular care in 2004 when I was on the brink of death. And it was a mistake that I made. 
I didn't realize I wasn't under regular care because I thought I was because I did get checked every week or two. When needed, I was getting adjusted. Nobody had a chart on me. Nobody did a regular evaluation. No, nobody did anything other than check me and adjust me if they thought I needed it. Right. No more. Yeah. That. Okay, so that's an amazing lesson for all the people out there. Um, yes, and, and to get it straight, because I know some chiropractors come out and they just are opening their practice and they only want to work three days a week and all this kind of stuff. You do have to work hard at first, but there is that transition where you need to yes. kind of you, it's like a jet plane. It takes all that energy to get off the ground, but as soon as you get off the ground, then you need to make sure you're doing all this stuff to, to keep yourself vital. So thank you for sharing that because that's, I think, extremely important for chiropractors to hear out there. You got to look after yourself because you should be the best practice member in your practice. That's what I always say. Not only the best dressed, but Absolutely. the best spine. <laughs> yes, best spine and nervous system for sure. Yeah. Now, now this is the third, third phase of practice. So once you've been in there and, and uh, you know, you've, you've rocked it out and you, and you've, you're looking after yourself, you're looking after your practice members. Um, a lot of people then have the drive to, to give back to the profession or take leadership roles. And I was just wondering how did you transition? Cause I know you're a speaker, you're a coach, you're my coach. Um, you also were part of the regulatory board in Ontario. Just tell tell me a little bit about that transition from practice into more leadership. It was interesting because I was a regular attendee at progress seminars. I became a progress seminar speaker because that's what Dr. Jim did. Dr. Jim groomed you. And when he saw that you were ready then he would graduate you to you know, level one, level two, level three, level four, all the way to, you know, to what he called his pal, a Parker's associate lecturer. And so I went through that process uh, with Dr. Jim. And as I developed my speaking skills at the seminar, I also developed my speaking skills for my community. So I reached out and started speaking more in my community. Therefore, I was able to get involved in, in my community at different levels from, you know, chairing the DARE board to chairing a, a, a family counseling group. Um, I mean, I, I worked in all sorts of areas as a volunteer in my community. But as it relates to the profession, um, I think somebody you certainly know, Dr. Keith Thompson in Ontario, yes. was the one who called me one day and said, we need you to run for the board. I was like, I am not going to do that. That is way too much trouble. I'm way too busy. And he says, yeah, go ahead and let somebody else govern your profession. And, you know, he talked, he talked hard to me. He loves me. I love him. We still do. Um, he said, the problem with our profession is that the busy vitalistic chiropractors aren't willing to get involved in the regulation or in the association. So we leave it up to everybody else to do it for us. And unfortunately, often the people that end up there are not the ones who have successful practices, and often they do it because they get a per diem or, you know, I'm not speaking against that. I'm just saying that the reality is that we want you as a busy chiropractor who understands chiropractic to be fully involved in the profession. So over a period of a couple of weeks, Keith talked, taught me to talk me in to run for this position of the rep for District 1, which is the Northern Ontario District. I ran, um, I was elected, and I made a commitment to be on the board for three years. And as you know, I stayed for three consecutive three-year terms, ended up serving my last two years as the president of the organization and really felt a value in giving back. So of my 25 years in practice, I did serve on the licensing board for nine years. What I think I brought to it was an ability to, to educate the public members that were there. When I joined the board, not one public member was under chiropractic care. So imagine that. Oh, wow. um, I think there was nine members 
and eight public members at the time, I believe, can't remember the numbers, it's been a while now, but I, I saw that none of them were under regular chiropractic care, none of them had ever really been to a chiropractor, and they were charged with regulating the profession in the public interest. And I thought, well, it's great that you're, you know, giving of your time and getting paid for it, but being appointed by the government to do it. But if you don't really understand what chiropractors do, how well can you regulate in the public interest? Is it not in the public interest to bring high quality chiropractic care to the entire you know, population? And they right. all agreed that it would be in the public interest. And so I asked if I could have them to start educating them. Uh, they all agreed. As you know, I've published a, you know, a number of books. I donated books to each one of them, or gifted books rather, to each one of them. Started getting conversation. And within a couple of years, every public member was under regular chiropractic care. And other people on the board, you know, continued that. Dr. Peter Amlinger was my vice president at the time. He went on to become president. He continued to drive that. And so you get a group of people who are charged with governing the profession in the public interest who had a better understanding of the value that chiropractic brings to the people. So yeah. I encourage everyone, get involved at whatever level. I understand time, energy, money. I mean, all these things happen. But get involved, even if it's just helping with, you know, an event for your association. Uh, depending on where you are in the world, some of the positions are not elected but appointed. For example, I know in Georgia, members of the board, of the licensing board, are appointed by the governor. Well, to do that, you need to develop relationships with the governor's office. Right. <laughs> so start volunteering. You know, I'm here. I'm there. Start donating to the governor's campaign. Get involved. We need, we need more great leaders in our profession, not less great leaders. You cannot, as Keith Thompson convinced me way back when, you can't leave it up to somebody else to govern and manage your profession. You've got to somehow be involved. So I encourage all of you, find a way to be involved, areas where you have expertise, areas where you're passionate. <clears throat> Write a write an email and say, I have expertise in this area. If you ever need help, I'd be willing to dedicate X amount of weeks, <coughs> excuse me, X amount of hours a week or an hour a week or two hours a week, whatever it might be, to actually helping you. <coughs> and wherever you can support the profession, please start supporting the profession. If you can't support it with time, support it with money. Support the Australian Spinal Research Foundation. Yes. <coughs> excuse me, become a member. You know, it's not even five hundred bucks a year become a member we need more great research choose to donate to causes that will enhance the visibility of the profession worldwide <coughs> excuse me Don. yeah no i think that's a that's a huge component because i think um so many of us are busy so we feel like we can't really get out there because we're too busy doing our thing but it, it is it is vitally important to get out into that leadership those leadership roles um when did you start coaching and how did that kind of start well, it's interesting because a lot of chiropractors would call me because they just they knew that I had a successful practice based probably on on my speaking at, at Parker and then in other areas and people started calling me and asking me if I could coach them and so I would invite them to come and you know spend some time in my office observe for a day half a day and I, I would walk them through the different procedures that we use processes in our office and I basically initially just gave them everything you know here's the paperwork here's this here's this here's this you just just do this this is what Jim Parker told me to just do it. And I would check back with them a month or two later and they hadn't changed anything. And then I, 
I had people say, well, you know, I'd be willing to, to be coached by you. And I was so busy in practice, I didn't really want to do it. And then I coached one person and he was, you know, really, really improving and it saved his practice, saved his marriage, saved everything. I was like, maybe I need to learn how to do this. And so I did some training with a group called the Six Advisors Coaching Academy. And when I got all of this done, what I came to recognize is that I could teach every procedure that I knew how to do to an individual. But if I couldn't help them change their mindset, very little would happen. And so I then developed a structure of coaching people through mindset. I took a number of people through the uh, Six Advisors Coaching Academy training, and then I started combining that with procedural training for a chiropractic office. And lo and behold, the majority of people that I was coaching, you know, their practices were thriving, but so were their lives. And at, at the top, uh, I guess when I retired from practice is when I started doing a lot more of it. When I got well, I retired then and I was sick. But then I, when I got well, I started doing more of it. I guess at the, at the height, I had, the 50, you know, I had 54 clients I was coaching weekly. And then I realized that I wasn't having that much fun doing that. I was on the phone, you know, hours and hours and hours every single day. I'm a people person. I needed to get in front of people. Then I got invited to go help Parker Seminars, revitalize the seminar division. And I went there as a volunteer for three months. And as you know, I, I stayed for six years and became the vice president, started understanding academia. And I was over, you know, clinics, research, continuing education and seminars. And I left there in 2012, and Dr. Reekman recruited me in the spring of 2013 to come to Life University uh, as one of the vice presidents here. And I have been here now, it'll be five years in October, and I actually love it. And, and I tell people again here, you know, get involved. Any chiropractor I meet, I said, you know, how involved are you outside your practice? The majority of them will say, well, <clears throat> no, not that involved. I said, well, get involved with, by sharing time, talent, or treasure. <laughs> One of the three. You got to get involved somehow. Uh, my office is currently in the advancement department at Life University, and so you know part of the mandate of this office is is to raise funds, is to raise funds for the research department here, to raise funds, you know, to grow the university, to raise funds to for uh, for scholarships to actually help our students who have you know huge debt and anything from a, a one-off scholarship to to an endowed scholarship um, to our sports program. So yeah, I've been fortunate that chiropractic gave me my life uh, metaphorically and, and physically, right? Gave me my health back. Uh, certainly gave me the, the financial life I get to live is thank you God for chiropractic because the way I live, get to live my life today is really because of what happened during my practice years. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be successful on all those levels that I've been able to give back. I've been able to give, you know, large financial gifts because I've been able to through the patients paying me what right. they've done. I've been able to give of my time and I've been given my talent. <clears throat> and I continue to do that here. So even as a as an employee slash a member of the executive team at Life University, I mean I donate to the university every single year because I believe in it. I've been an ambassador of the Australian Spinal Research Foundation for a number of years and a member for a number of years. And I've been donating because they are, you know, the group that is doing fantastic research as it relates to nervous system and subluxation. Like, why wouldn't we be donating? And for the, all of you listening, ASRF. Oh, I'm wrong. Uh, spinal Research. Oh, do you know the URL? The URL is spinalresearch.edu or something like uh, that. Maybe you can give it to your members, John. It's, I will. And then again, we'll, we'll get the we'll get the my people who do up the notes to look up the website, and then they'll they'll put the link in the notes for the Australia. Yeah, add, add the add the website. 
because I've been an ambassador. I've been a member for way over a decade. I've been an ambassador for probably seven, eight years or maybe more. Um, I've been on the board, unfortunately, not as active as I want to be on the board, but for about a year, year and a half now. And we continue to want to grow the organization. You know, the only organization that is funding subluxation-based research, and we don't even have 600 paying members. Yeah, I know. So that's, that's a challenge. Every week I get horrible. another challenge. And I know that you, uh, Dr. Zahn, yeah. here's a challenge, right? Here's a challenge. What I'm looking to do in the next calendar year is to find an ambassador for the Spinal Research Foundation in every province in Canada and in every state in the United States. So that would be 60. If we can find 60 ambassadors who join and then commit to finding 10 other members, we will more than double the membership of the Australian Spinal Research Foundation. And I believe we can do it in one year. I, as I said, I haven't been as active as I want to be, but I'm taking the time with this great podcast. I know you have a fantastic audience. You know, if any of you are interested in being an ambassador for the Spinal Research Foundation, so let's say you're, you're in Kentucky, you would be the Kentucky ambassador to the Australian Spinal Research Foundation. We'll supply with you with a beautiful certificate that you can hang on your wall. And your duties will be to recruit at least 10 new members and maintain at least 10 members for years following to maintain your ambassadorship. Not a lot to ask, I believe. There's not a chiropractor in the world who could not sign on to pay $40 a month and be, an and be a member of the Australian Spinal Research Foundation and then find 10 other colleagues that are willing to do the same thing. Because when we do that, we're gonna have more cash to grant for more great research. Without cash, my friends, we can't do it. And some of that cash needs to come from your pocket. Think about it. $40 a month allows you to become a member of the Australian Spinal Research Foundation. And if we can double our membership, we're going to double our research. That's a pretty easy challenge to meet, I think. That's cool. And also, we have tons so, uh, of listeners in the UK, too. So over in the UK as well, you want to be ambassadors over there? You just let us know. That would be awesome. <laughs> absolutely. So my email address, if you're interested... My first name, period, Lamarche at life.edu. So that's G-I-L-L-E-S, period, L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E at life.edu. Send me an email. Put Australian Spinal Research Ambassador in the subject matter box, and I will get back to you. We'll get you what you need to become an ambassador. And let, let's get this organization rocking at the highest level because it impacts you, your life, your practice your career, your community for the rest of your life. That's awesome. That's great. So we're going to challenge everybody out there. And then in closing, I really want to talk about life vision. And, uh, and we, the last time we were in Montreal a couple of years ago, that was an amazing seminar. So can you please tell all our listeners about life vision Montreal and how they can register and how awesome it's going to be? Absolutely. So life, life vision happens in Atlanta once a year as our big spring event. It happened uh, in May this year. Next year's happening happening in April. Uh, we have two light vision raw, which is, you know, inspiration and, and philosophy only that happens on campus. Those two events are free. And then we host some events internationally. And in 2019, uh, March 29th and 30th, we're hosting Light Vision Canada in Montreal. That, uh, the URL for the registration is already open. You go to lightvisionseminars.com, look at Canada, 
click there, you can register. Uh, we're hosting it at the Hotel Bonaventure, the same hotel we hosted that in 2017. We completely sold out that event. There are very few events in Chiropractic that completely sell out. That event, well, you know, Dr. Don, you were there. Yep. So was your wife, Brandy. That event sold out in 2017. We expect it's going to sell out very, very early for 2019. As a matter of fact, my expectation is that it's going to be sold out before, before Christmas. So if you want to attend uh, Life Vision Seminar Canada, that's happening March 29th to 30th, go to lifevisionseminars.com, get yourself registered now. Um, the link to the hotel, I think, is already live. It's going to be a great event in a great city. And uh, you know, gratitude to all of our phenomenal speakers who will be there, but also to the Quebec BB Club that chooses to cancel their spring event and actually join us and all the vendors that will be in the vendor hall that actually make these events happen. We work really, really hard at keeping the price of the events as low as possible so we can get break even or a touch better, but certainly we don't want to be losing any money with these events, but our vendors help us, our sponsors help us, and you actually attend, attending help us continue to make these events happen so that you can go back on Monday and implement strategies that will actually enhance the quality of the care that you develop that you deliver rather, but build your team, um, build your practice members, and build your community to be a thriving community. Vitality with Dr. Don and Brandy is the word of the, of the year, maybe the word of the decade. Yeah, so you totally. want a vitality show, talk to Dr. Don and Brandy. You <laughs> want to experience vitality? Come to Light Vision Seminars. We'll be there. And Brandy's speaking there. So all those people on there hear her speak, she'll be speaking at Life Vision in Montreal. So it'll be awesome. So, so Jill, I want to thank you so much for being Absolutely. on the podcast. I, uh, I just always like to end um, the podcast with, with inspirational thoughts. What, what would you like to leave the listeners from all over the world, the vitalistic chiropractors out there that might feel like an underdog or feel like they've been a little bit beat down or just need a little bit of inspiration? What, what's kind of running through your head that you'd like to leave them with? Well, if you're listening, close your eyes right now and listen to these words. You, my friend, were born to serve. You, my friend, were born to thrive. You were designed masterfully to be able to give of yourself, give up wholeheartedly because you were designed as a masterpiece. See yourself as the masterpiece that you are. Stay honed in on delivering high quality care. Make sure that your skills are beyond up to par, that you're truly exceptional. Take the time to see the beauty that you have inside of you, to see the gifts and the talents that you have. And every morning when you wake up, choose to tap in to that greatness. And I, I would suggest that if you have not read this yet, pick up a copy of The Bigness of the Fellow Within and read the first story, the story of that something. That something is already inside of you. All you need to do is discover it, uncover it, and fully utilize it. And you will be living a truly, truly magical life and delivering magical care. Not from a sense of, magic but real innate to innate quality care that's awesome see you guys see how come you're such an awesome mentor for me totally inspiring 
Thank you, Jill, for all the mentorship you've had over the years. I appreciate all you've done for me, all you've done for Brandy, all you've done for chiropractic. And uh, my gratitude is like unmeasurable for you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to serve. I am as inspired today uh, for the chiropractic profession as I was when I started school in 1975. I still see the possibility that before uh, the end of my lifetime, that chiropractors will be the go-to health experts around the world because humanity needs what you have. Have no doubt, humanity needs what you have. And yes, you may be ridiculed sometimes. And yes, you may be violently opposed sometimes. But the reality is that the truth will set us free and the truth is ready to be heard. The people are ready to hear the truth. Let's keep pushing on. Let's keep sharing the message wherever we can. And invariably, people will get it because I believe that the people in your community are ready to hear what you have to say. I always remember, some will listen, some won't listen. So what? There's always somebody that's ready to listen. Don't take it personal. Just keep seeing that you're a man or a woman on a mission. And it's your mission to deliver the message and then deliver the goods. Excellent. And on that note, get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.